0: I remember even thinking, I was like, wow, why do they? This is surprising. Are they looking for a Black woman for this? You know, what is it about? And, And I love the fact that I was, you know, a Black woman kind of saved the earth.
1: Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples Wagner, editor in chief of The Cut. On this podcast, we talk to ambitious women about how far they've come and where they're going next. Sanaa Lathan is a New York City born and bred actor and director. She started out as a teen guest starring on sitcoms like Family Matters and Moesha, before becoming a staple in rom-coms like Love and Basketball, The Best Man, and Brown Sugar. She has also appeared in blockbusters like Blade and Alien vs. Predator, where as she's pointed out before, she is one of the only Black women to save the world in the movie. We spoke about her embracing natural hair, her directorial debut, and how much she loves meditation and self-care so I'm excited for you all to listen. Hi, Sana. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Hi. It is my pleasure. I love your hair. Thank you. You're brave. I like
1: yours too. So in Netflix's 2018 film, Napoli Ever After, you played a woman who really only becomes true to herself when she embraces her natural hair. Um, can you tell us about what brought you to that role? I mean, it was such a important and I think critical role for so many young women of color like myself um, to see someone go through that journey. What really made you feel like you had to be part of that project and to walk me through the casting and and what really was Uh attracting you to the story
0: itself? You know, Hair in that movie, which was a book, it was a very big book and it had been around for a long time. It was very beloved is a metaphor it was kind of like a syn- synonym to your authentic self your nappy nappy hair being who you really are and so um i just loved how it was this woman who was always trying to conform and um do what society has told her that women should do um that black women should do should be and it was never anything that was coming from who she truly was. It was always something that was coming from outside of herself. Hair being um, such a huge thing for women across all racial lines. We're taught you know, that long hair means you're desirable. You have to be desirable for the prince to want you. Your worth comes from the prince wanting you. Not about what you want. Um, from the time we're little girls, we, we read these fairy tales about, you know, Snow White and Cinderella. And it's all about, from the time we're really little, all about being chosen, that our worth comes from being chosen and having to conform in order to be chosen. And so for me, it was way deeper than just hair. Hair was just kind of a metaphor for you know what i'm going to step into who i truly am i'm going to find out who i truly am who i authentically am and i'm going to choose and part of the reason why we kind of you know i love the idea of her not ending up with anybody at the end cuz she choose she's it's a love it's a love story about falling in love with yourself and you know sometimes that's hard in this society when we as women um and especially black women are um told over and over and over again that who we are is not okay and that you have to fit into some kind of box so anyway that was what really drew me to the role and then you know obviously it was it was so great because you got just as an actress i got to really just do all of the range of you know emotions going from kind of a repressed, quote unquote, good girl who's, you know, never kind of really succeeding in life to, you know, just a real, real breakdown where she had to find out who she truly was and what she wanted. There's so much that's so
1: powerful about this movie. And I think honestly, what hit home for so many of us watching at home, we felt what you were feeling. It was this visceral reaction of, you know, you shaving your head and it felt there there's so much emotions and I think specifically for black women, um, around having short hair and cutting your hair. I remember as a child, like, you know, when you go get your trim, you would freak out if the hairstylist did more than a trim. That was such a big deal. Um, or, you know, wanting a short hairstyle. I was even having a conversation with a girlfriend the other day and she wanted to go for a short hairstyle and the conversation turned to like, what would her partner think? And I'm like, who cares? Do, do whatever you want. And so I just wanted to hear your thoughts now that it's been, that time has passed on, you know, that scene and what your real life was like also outside of that as well in, in shaving your own head.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, um, it was interesting because, you know, as an actor being in the business, my whole, you know, practically, you know, my whole adult life and, you know, We're just now talking about having Black hairdressers, like this year, you know, like with the whole Time's Up and after Black Lives Matter. But I was, you know, having to deal with going to, you know, other countries where, you know, you ask for somebody who knows how to deal with Black hair. Everybody says they do. My go-to thing was, well, do you know how to use a stove with a hot comb? And then they'd be like, <laughs> uh no. Because not that I even use that. But, but if you, you don't know how, use how to that, use a stove with a hot comb, then you know how to use right. the Black hair, right? But, you know, that's why a lot of um, a lot of us, Black women, suffered because they, you know, go. Models have had to deal with it over the years. They go and they they you know, our hair requires a completely different kind of regimen. You know that. Can't be having heat on it. Can't be getting wet every day. And so, you know, weaves were a big thing for me. Many, you know, people are like, you have hair. Why do you wear a weave? Because I wouldn't have any hair if I, you know, had to get it straightened every day for whatever part I'm playing to have continuity. And so, it's an ongoing thing that I think all women deal with, with their hair. But I think especially Black women, it's like, okay, what am I going to do next? Like we both have braids, but I'm sure, like, you know, you talk to all your yeah. girlfriends, like, what <laughs> should I do? What, you know, what should I get next, right? And so, you know, it's great. I am so happy that braids are in now. It's such a thing now um, because they are a protective style. Anyway, I digress. I was ready. Sanaa was ready to shave my head at that point because after years and years of just the you know dealing with all of the demands of having coarser hair quote unquote nappy hair there's different degrees of nappiness but like you know you get your hair flat ironed then you don't want to go to the gym i mean it's just a whole that is really it's the a whole thing <laughs> yeah, no, it is because I love I used to love to get my hair flat ironed, get flat iron like once every two weeks, but then you like you time it. So, you know, you want it to stay straight and silky and bouncy for the first 5 days, but you don't want to stay away from the gym too long. Exactly. <laughs> so, you have to time it. Okay, I'll get it. I'll go to the gym the, you know, last couple of days before I get it redone. So, I, I was at a point in my life where it was scary as hell. The idea of shaving my head, because you know, who knows? I mean, I I, I didn't know what shape head I had. I didn't know if I had <laughs> dents or I had a cone head. Larry um, Sims, who's a big celebrity hairstylist, I convinced him to do the movie. And I every day I asked him because there was a D day, because you couldn't go back. You had to do. We had to do it all in one take. What you see in the movie is real. Like you're seeing me actually shave my head. And um, I asked him over and over again. I said, do you think, you think I have a funny shaped head? He's like, no, baby, you have a beautiful head. And I said, you can tell? And he was like, yes, you, you can tell. See, <laughs> you know, and he would just do stuff. <laughs> and then the day I did it, I shaved it. He ran into the bathroom and, with tears in his eyes. And he said, thank God. I said, you didn't know? He said, no, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you never know. He was like, I was hoping that you had a nice shaped head. <laughs> oh. I love it. So it was, you know, we had scheduled the day that we were going to shoot that scene. And it was very nerve wracking, not only for me, but for the whole crew, because we knew we had to get it right. We had to get it right in one take. Um, they rigged the camera behind the the mirror. So I was actually looking into a mirror. Um, it didn't, I didn't see the camera, which was really helpful. And, um, that day I, I, uh. I found some music that really helped me get into just the, her state of mind and her emotional state, um, which was great. And, and on that particular set, the sound person in between takes, we would blast music. That was just, you know, different sets. They have different kinds of things that go on. And so I just asked him to blast the music during the scene and it was really wonderful. Um, And, you know, everybody was, it was kind of like a triumphant emotional, the whole set was crying because it was kind of cathartic for everybody. You know, the symbol of the hair, like I'm just going to let go of everything outside of just who I am. And so, and I said to myself, I said, you know, if I hate it, I have wigs. Wigs are in too. Yep. People change their wigs, like they change their earrings, Exactly, right? Lace all the lace fronts. And so I was like, I have wigs. I could just wear wigs for, you know, a little bit and then I'll put braids in my hair when it grows out a little bit. And um, surprisingly, I kept shaving it. I loved it. I had so much male attention. <laughs> Men, I don't. It was like they were obsessed with it. It was crazy. <laughs> it was the opposite of what I. I thought, love that you were you surprised know? by that. No, I really was because I. I mean, I had ex boyfriends calling me, texting me, saying like, "Ooh, can I come rub rub your head?" <laughs> I was really shocked. And um, anyway, so it's been three years, and ever since, once it got to that kind of awkward. There's always that middle stage right. when it gets to be a certain where it's, it's not that cute. Um, or at least I couldn't get it cute because it does take a lot, of, a lot of energy to for natural hair. Natural hair is just as yeah, a lot of demanding. Yeah. They have a lot of amazing YouTube videos, tutorials, and I would watch them and, and not do it.
1: <laughs> because well, there's, I mean, I, I Google twist outs every other night and then I'm like, this looks wonderful, but I don't have the time for this.
0: I don't have the time or the or the energy. No. And so um, then once it got long enough, I just started wearing braid styles, all different kinds. And then when I would work, I would just put it, you know, braid it down and then wear wigs. And so it's actually longer than it's ever been. Every single day, I fantasize about shaving it off again.
1: Oh, wow. It's actually
0: my mother who keeps saying, no, no, no. <laughs> Isn't that that's such a mother? She's like, no. Such a mom thing. Such a mom thing. But yes, I'm in Palm Springs right now. It's a high of like 115 today. This would be a good time to have a shave today. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> that would be perfect for that. <laughs> um I'm going to take it back even
1: further, but I mean, Love and Basketball, Alien versus Predator, you have so many amazing, amazing credits. Um, you were extremely phenomenal in Alien versus Predator, and you've held the record for highest opening weekend for a movie led by a Black woman um until Lupita was in 2019's Us. Um, and I bring this one up specifically because sci-fi is not generally a genre that Black women really have a lot of, you know, taken up space in and survive and thrive and figure out a way, I think, to, you know, create a different uh, language that isn't already available, especially in the 2000s. So what was it like then? And, you know, being, you've been so many firsts for Black women in general, but what was that like? And, and what has it been like to be such a trailblazer in all of these really important moments?
0: Oh, God, it was great. I remember um, I was in L.A. and it, it was an audition that came to me on a Friday night to go in on a Saturday and I had this guy that I was dating and he was in town and I didn't want to go and I, because I just wanted to hang with him and I was like, that's just too much work to just, you know, because I don't like to go and wing it, right? And why are you auditioning on a Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was just complaining about it and it's so funny because he turned out to be not a good guy, (laughs) but he made me go. And so I, you know, in my mind, it's like, you know, sometimes you just never know. Right. Mm -hmm. But he was like, no, just go, just go, you know, we'll do something after. So I wound up going. And then two weeks later, I was on a plane to Prague to screen test. It was like a, like eight hour screen test in, in the studio with a big ass predator. I had to, you know, shoot a gun and kind of push him around and, did a bunch of scenes. And by the end of the day, I knew I had the job. And then two weeks after that was on the plane back to Prague for six, a six month shoot. And so it was very, it's almost like I didn't have time to really let it sink in what it was because I was so kind of, um, displaced and didn't, wasn't really ready to just uproot my life and go. And, um, but obviously I did. And It was extremely grueling. I always, you know, I always don't envy action star thriller stars because it's a different type of rigorousness. Um, Being scared for six months straight, being in panic for six, because that's basically (laughs) your reality. You're going to work to be scared, (laughs) you know? And that is, it was rough. It was an intense, rough, um, shoot. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I was very lucky to have a really great crew and cast around me who were very um, supportive and and great. But just in terms of the actual physical nature of it and the emotional nature of the state that you have to be in for those many months, it was intense.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds very intense.
0: Yeah. And I was really, I I remember even thinking, I was like, wow, why do they, this is surprising. Are they looking for a black woman for this? You know, what is it about? And and I love the fact that I was, you know, a black woman kind of saved the earth. She doesn't die. She doesn't die first. You know, literally. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So let's talk
1: about your di- directorial film debut uh with the adaptation of Angie Thomas's novel on the come up. First of mm-hmm. all, congratulations. Thank you. Um what has that path been like from acting to directing what you know why was that important to you and and just walk me through that journey. Well,
0: it's interesting because I always wanted to be a director when when I was a little girl, I would always say I want to be a director when I grow up like my dad. And um Then I got involved in some, you know, after school performing programs and in college was in a black theater group called Black Theater Workshop where we put on plays by black authors. And it was there that there was a recruiter from the Yale School of Drama who came and spoke to us. And she said, you know, statistically, minorities don't consider graduate school in the arts. And that was back then. That's what she, you know, she was a recruiter for then. She was like, you guys should consider applying. And I was like, you know what? That might be cool. Let me apply. And it was almost like getting in to drama school kind of took me on a different path. It kind of made the decision for me. And so then I just have gone down this acting road. But I think that actors turn directors, they can make sometimes the best directors because they've been around it. They know what works. But lately, I just feel like life has kind of been ushering me in that direction. Um, I was asked to be a mentor to directors at the Sundance Lab. I had a DP kind of, after working with me, approach me and say, you know, I teach DPs um, at a college level, directors, you know, cinematographers. He's like, you should really consider directing because you're a director. He had seen me kind of on set. and. Um, so it was just kind of a, a lot of outside influences kind of pushing me in that direction. And then there's a company called Maven Pictures that, when we had the lockdown, the original quarantine in LA, I got an offer from them to do a short film with the subject matter of, you know, what is it to be in this lockdown? And they would provide the editor a writer. And you would come up with a story and do the short film, and I took that as my opportunity. I directed it, and it turned out pretty well. It just premiered at the um Trebekah Film Festival. It's about an o c d panic disorder zoom therapist who has panic o c d disorder herself yes. <laughs> and um <laughs> It's very quirky. And um, she's in the middle of the pandemic. And obviously she's taking care of all of her clients all day long because everybody's thinking it's the end of the world. And she gets a Postmate and she goes and she's like, I didn't order this Postmate. And She goes outside and there's a dog in her yard and and a note from a Postmate saying, "Um, I think you're a really nice lady. You always tip me really well. Um, I can't afford my dog because of the shutdown. I lost my job will you please take care of this dog? And so she winds up having to take in this dog and she has OCD. So she's just not having it. But it kind of turns out that the dog winds up being her therapist by the end. I love like that. the dog winds up kind of taking care of her. It's cute. So that was, it was a great experience. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the process. And you asked me about On the Come Up and this is a really long <laughs> securitest no, it's okay. way to get there. <laughs> but these this is kind of how it unfolded. And then, um, you know, people started seeing my short and kind of saying, you know, you should get into directing. And my agents were like, would you like me to start submitting you for directing gigs? And I said, sure. And I was thinking, you know, in a couple of years, I'd, you know, do it. And then On the Come Up came up and I really responded to the story. And I had to get in there and Basically, quote unquote audition, like the way directors audition, which is give like a forty-page presentation. Gina Prince Bythewood was was a very close friend of mine. She was a great mentor during the process. I call her my mentor now. She loves it. And um, after like a two-month, you know, audition process, I got the job. <laughs> and um, you know and excited because it's a coming of age story about a young girl who is finding out who she is and finding out who she is through her voice finding her authentic voice i mean and isn't that the question for all of us yeah yeah that's like that's the goal i think that's like my the underground theme that i'm that it seems like i'm cuz i'm trying to find that for myself as well
1: no i think that's beautiful that's also something that i think We're all searching for and Mm -hmm. wondering and questioning and constantly trying to find an answer to and, you know, whether there would be a pinpointed answer to that or not. Um, I think that that's something that we all think about. So Mm -hmm. look forward to that. Um, I want to talk about Succession since the new trailer just dropped. I'm obsessed with Succession. I'm very excited. (laughs) Um, What was it like working on season three? And can you tell us anything about your character or just your experience overall?
0: Yeah. So I got the offer right in the fall and um, we were nowhere near outside of the quarantine. And I remember saying to a friend, I said, I would like to have, you know, something in the can, you know a job in the can, you know, soon. But I wasn't thinking that soon. And I had to get on a plane within a matter of weeks to go to New York in the middle of the quarantine. So that was very scary for me. Um, And it was a trip to work with all of the PPE. And it was like swimming underwater with weights. And yet I was a huge fan of the show. I think it's some of the best writing and acting on TV. And, um, I knew that I had to be a part of it and it was a great experience. You know, I got to go to New York several times over the last year and work with some just great actors. It reminded me of, you know, my early days working in the theater, just that kind of level of commitment and, um, just depth, you know? And so just super grateful super grateful for the opportunity and had a great time, despite, you know, despite the, you know, the pandemic of it all. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm very excited (laughs) to see that. Uh, Speaking of theater, you've done so much work in the theater. Do you see the difference between the, the work and your process? Is that anything different between stage and film? And do you prefer one or the other? Do you have aspirations to do more theater work?
0: Yeah, I love theater. I feel happiest when I'm on stage. Um, for me, it's so all encompassing—the eight shows a week—that it it has to be a role that is just undeniable that I c- cannot refuse. Anything less than that, I would rather be on a movie set because you you can have a life, you know. Right. Um, but the that there's nothing like the exchange of energy between you know the audience and you as the character and the fact that you get to live the character from beginning to end every night and not out of order that is very satisfying for an actor and it's different every night and it's exciting and it's just you know there's nothing that can can touch that
1: yeah you just you just said something interesting about um having having a life and obviously you know being Film, TV, theater, I know the schedules must be crazy and always hectic, um, but tell me a little bit about just, I think, how you're able to deal with it, both like mentally, emotionally. I know there must be a lot of stress or like, am I getting this part or am I not? Um, And you've been in the uh, industry for uh. so long. And so how do you feel like you've been able to grow in that area? And and what is it like? Because I also feel like people really glamorize it in a way that is probably uh-huh. different in reality.
0: Yeah, it is different. I mean, you know, any freelance artist, it is, there takes a lot of faith because after every single job, I don't care how much success you've had, you don't know what the next thing is until you know what the next thing is. And so, you know, when I chose to be a Zoom therapist in my short, it was because I know that experience very well. I've had lots of therapy. I've had life coaching I lean on my friends. Um, a lot of people are like, how can you be friends with your competition? But I find that, you know, only they know what I'm going through. I just spoke to this woman who kind of just, I won't say her name, but um, just got a lot of success uh, in the last year. And it's, she's having a hard time because it's just like overnight. And I said, please just reach out. She was thinking about quitting. And I was like, you got to reach out. You got to uh, reach out to me, reach out to somebody else because it is no joke, that amount of faith. And some days you don't have the faith. <laughs> and then on top of it, there's the level of scrutiny. And, you know, it's just, um, I feel very, very blessed. And yet I do not ever envy anybody's success because every at every level of success in this business, whether it's small or the biggest star in the world, it comes with its huge challenges. And there's just still, you're always proving yourself. There's always rejection. There's always scrutiny. Um, And that's why I tell young people who are getting into the business or any kind of freelance thing, a writer, a journalist, you know, you have to really, really want to do it because it's, if you can do anything else, do it because it can be very emotionally abusive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's for most mm-hmm. creative um, yeah. <laughs> positions. I feel that way about mm-hmm. fashion. So I get it. Um, I want to mm-hmm. end on, um, there are people always love to hear any like wellness things. Um, I've read that you're big on meditation and just talking about mental health. So any, what are like any favorite wellness things you're doing or that you want to talk about?
0: Yeah. Self-care. Um, people talk about self-care, like it's a catchphrase, but It really will, like, if you're in line with yourself and you're taking care of yourself, everything outside of you, people will treat you different. If you are actually in, and when I say self care, that means like, you know, taking time to yourself where you're not on your phone and doing your version of meditation, walking outside, getting a foot massage, taking a bath. These are little things that you're doing for yourself. And when you do them for yourself, it's almost like it becomes a magnet for other people to treat you with care. If you can't treat yourself with care, then you're not going to get it from the outside. It's a weird, you know, kind of way to think about it. But that's, I found that to be very true. And I'm a huge believer in meditation. Everybody can learn how to meditate. All you got to do is Google meditate, meditation. I do transcendental meditation years ago, I had a very, I had a lot of trauma. Um, I had a best friend suddenly die along with many other things that happened all at once. And I started having panic attacks and I didn't even, I was like, that's not a real thing. Oh,
1: it, it is. A panic when attack. you have them, you're friend, like, I
0: remember, <laughs> no, I remember having a girlfriend who had them and I was like, girl, just breathe, just sit down and breathe, you know, and then cut to a couple of years later, I started having them. Three to five a day, I could be happy. And all of a sudden I felt like I was going to die. Felt like I was having a heart attack. Went to the doctor. They're Like, oh no, no, you've been under a lot of stress and you have not processed it. You had a lot of trauma. So you need, he wanted to put me on medication. I am, you know, to each his own, but I wanted to, before I got on the medication, I wanted to see if I could address it in a more holistic way, at least first. And so a friend of mine who was very into meditation was like, why don't you try that? You know, it's been proven to help PTSD in veterans that people that come, you know, come home from war. So let's see. And the day I started, after I learned, the day I started Transcendental uh, TM, my panic attacks went away. So now it's like I, that was, you know, I dived in after that and did lots of research. And there's people, you should do their research on all of the benefits. It helps keep the gray matter in the brain um it slows the thinning of the gray matter great when you your gray matter um as you age, it gets thinner, and that's where all the brain diseases can come from, like dementia and alzheimer's um lowers um blood pressure without meds There's so many benefits, and it's just like twenty minutes a day so to all you guys listening i I encourage you. I'm going to look get it into up. a meditation practice. Yeah, especially in today's world where we are just always on our phones, you know, and never present. Social media, all of it. It's hard. You know, you got to really kind of carve out time for yourself.
1: I agree. I agree. It's it's very easy to wake up and look at the phone first thing in the morning and very easy mm-hmm. to just be mindlessly scrolling and you're like why am I even using this phone? Mm-hmm. So anything that I think wasting time yep yep and you don't even realize it
0: you don't even realize it wasting your life Mm -hmm.
1: but I think I'm super super grateful to be able to talk with you today and thank you so much we really appreciate it
0: thank you that was great I appreciate you
1: In Her Shoes is edited and produced by Camila Salazar our lead producer is Jasmine Aguilera and Nishat Kerwert is our executive producer the Cut is made possible by the excellent team at New York magazine. Subscribe today to support their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm Lindsay Peoples Wagner. Thank you for listening.